Praise the Lord. Well, good morning again. If you have your Bibles, if you would turn with me, please, to Psalm 24. Psalm 24. And the writer writes, The earth is the Lord's, and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. For He founded it upon the seas and established it upon the waters. Who may ascend the hill of the Lord? Who may stand in His holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart, who does not lift up his soul to an idol or swear by what is false, he will receive blessing from the Lord and vindication from God his Savior. Such is the generation of those who seek him, who seek your face, O God of Jacob. Lift up your heads, O ye gates. Be lifted up, you ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord strong and mighty, the Lord mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, O ye gates. Lift them up, you ancient doors, that the King of glory, that He may come in. Who is He, this King of glory? The Lord Almighty. He is the King of glory. And all God's people said, Spend a few moments this morning preaching about three privileges God has given to His people. Now, most commentators would take these handful of verses, this psalm, and they'd bring it back to David bringing the ark into Jerusalem. But as Christians, we recognize that the Lord of glory, of course, is Jesus Christ, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And this gives us a picture first of Him returning to heaven after He had conquered death, hell, and the grave, after He had risen from the grave, His ascension. But then also this speaks of Jesus returning from heaven in great power and glory to defeat His enemies and to establish His kingdom that will last forever and forever. Now, there's different ways that you can break up the thoughts in this psalm. One outline kind of flows from the thought, what a difference it should make in our lives if we really believe Verse number 1, if we really believe the earth is the Lord's, everything in it, the world and all who live in it, if we believe that, because the earth is the Lord's, we can trust Him with everything in it. We can trust Him with everything that's going on in it. It reminds us that, number one, we're stewards and we're not owners. Everything good, every good thing I have. Every good thing that you have has come from the hand of God. God owns it all, and He has entrusted it to you and I. And I have to remember that always, and I have to walk and live in the light of that always. But secondly, it reminds us that um, we're victors and we're not victims in this world. This Scripture tells us that the world is the Lord's. The world and belong to the devil. The earth is the Lord's. And the earth is God's. Jesus at all power and authority, both in heaven and in earth, belongs to me. And again, we are His people, the sheep of His pasture. And we share in the triumph of our God and of our King. And Jesus has risen. Jesus is returning. And until then, we fight the good fight of faith, knowing the battle is the Lord's battle. His grace will be sufficient for every encounter and every situation. And now and forevermore, those that know the Lord are partakers of His glorious victory. Hence, Paul writes to us, thanks be to God who gives us the victory through Jesus Christ our Lord. Now, this also teaches us that we ought to give praise and not complain. 
Again, you notice the repetition towards the end of this psalm. The Lord of glory is coming. Oh, that means the best is yet to come. The Lord of glory. Lift up your heads. Lift up your voices. Go ahead and rejoice and celebrate. The King of glory is coming. And of course, who is the King? The Lord, strong and mighty. The Lord, His name is Jesus. Wonderful Counselor. The Everlasting Father. The Prince of Peace. The One we cry out to in our midnight hour. The One we cast our burdens on when life wants to weigh us down. He is the King of glory that found us in our place of hurt and lifted us up and gave us a new beginning. He is the King of glory that said, I'll never leave you and I'll never forsake you. He's with us now, yet He's coming again with great power and glory. It won't always be like this. We wait for His coming and until then we give Him praise. Can you say Amen? Hallelujah. One writer said, nothing else will lift up one's head other than realizing that our God is in control, that He is the King of glory. And when He comes again, what a day that will be. When He comes again, every knee shall bow before Him and we shall rule and reign with Him. Let us be ready to welcome our Lord and our King. But there's another way to outline these verses. It flows from the thought that God has given His people at least three marvelous privileges that the psalm writer talks about here. Three wonderful privileges belong to you and I because the earth is the Lord's and He is the King of glory. Number one, it teaches us that we are stewards, we're managers, we are um, caretakers who get to enjoy and employ His goodness in creation. Now again, verse 1 and 2, the earth is the Lord's in everything in it, the world and all who live in it, for He founded it. Upon the seas, He established it upon the waters. The earth is the Lord's. So number one, we're stewards. And we get to enjoy and use the blessing of God. See, God created the earth. That's where He chose to place mankind. The earth is God's and everything on it. Everything in it. And all the people on the earth, they're God's made in His image. And everyone's accountable to the living God. In verse 1, um, everything is amplified. Everything. All who live here. All come under the dominion and sovereign rule of this God. The earth, all the earth is mine, says the Creator. But in His goodness, He shares that with us. We're His guests. We're on His planet. We are His managers of all the good things He gives us to both enjoy and employ. He's a good God that has blessed us to have dominion and to have resources and all these wonderful things to enjoy in His name, but also to employ and to use for His glory. Very quickly, 1 Timothy 6, 17 and 18. 1 Timothy 6, 17 and 18. Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but here it is, but to put their hope in God who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. i got to recognize this because the earth is the Lord's. He gets to decree how it's used. He doesn't give it to me and say, do your own thing. He entrusts it to me. He says, now use it in a way that pleases and glorifies me. But don't forget, God is a good God and He has given us everything for our 
enjoyment, but don't stop there. Don't just enjoy it. I have to employ it or use it to advance His cause, to extend His kingdom, to bring Him glory. Verse 18 says, Command them, listen, to do good while you're enjoying it. Make sure you're doing good with it. To be rich in good deeds. If you're going to be rich, be rich in faith. Be rich in good deeds. Use it. Use it to carry out the gospel. Use it to minister in the name of the Lord. Use it to do things that will bring glory to God. And be generous and willing to share. Don't be a hoarder. Don't be selfish. Don't just run after the great American dream or materialism. Enjoy the blessings of God. Never be ashamed for the blessings of God. Give Him praise and glory. But then use it to do His will and do His work in the earth. Can you say amen? You see, anything I have, even the things I give back to Him, I've got to remember, I can only give it back because He gave it to me to begin with. Look at Psalm 50, verses 10 through 12. Psalm 50. In this context, God is saying to Israel, you know what? You're giving me all these offerings. And you think somehow that can cancel out your behavior. God said, don't work like that. God said, you can give me all the rams and bulls and goats you need, but who gave them to you to give in the first place? God said, listen, it's all mine to begin with. So even when I give back to God, I got no cause to be haughty or think I'm something. I wouldn't have my breath if God didn't give me my breath. Amen. I don't control the next heartbeat. God, if God don't want me making it, I won't make it to the parking lot. So I've got to remember every good thing I have is come from the hand of a loving and kind God. Amen. And I'm going to enjoy it and I'm going to employ it for his glory. He says, listen, every animal of the forest is mine. The cattle on a thousand hills. God says, you can't impress me with your offering. God God says, don't don't think you can do this and then I'll cut you a deal so you can live like that. No, 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 no. God says, wait a second. Don't you realize every animal in the forest is mine? Every offering you give, you wouldn't have it if I didn't give it to you to begin with. God says, I know every bird in the mountains. I know the creatures of the field. Even them hogs back there, amen, that 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 have been... We had a herd of hogs, man. They've been ripping up everything over there. And God says, I know them by name. I'd like to know them by appetite. I'll tell you that. I'm waiting for one of the brothers around here. Where's Hunter? Get your bow and arrow, sweetie. Get that. Amen. I know every bird. Amen. So God says, listen, I have it all. So if I were hungry, God says, I wouldn't tell you about it. God says, I don't need you. You need me. How about that? So, so even when we give as we're supposed to give, I have no right to be proud or haughty about it. For it's by the grace of God I am what I am. Amen? If it wasn't for the goodness of God, I wouldn't have anything. I wouldn't have the strength to wake up and get here in the morning. If I were hungry, God says, I wouldn't tell you. For the world is mine and all that is in it. No matter what I have, I'm merely a steward or a manager of it. God owns everything. That's why on Wednesday nights, as we've been going through Luke's Gospel, some of these teachings of Jesus that we don't go over often enough, Jesus has been telling a parable. uh, It's called the parable of the rich fool. He calls him a fool. And Jesus emphasizes the thought how important it is to be rich towards God. Oh, how important it is to be rich in faith, to be rich in Christian character, to be rich in good works that will go before you. Oh, and one writer put it like this, more than a cattle on a thousand hills. He owns the Chevy, the Camry, the Cadillac, and a thousand garages. Amen. And for some of us, the Corollas. Hey, I'm working my way up. Amen. But it's His. Amen. 
150,000 miles of it. He keeps it running, though. Him and Angel. Praise the Lord. Amen. They keep it running. You know, Dr. Boyce commenting on verse 1, Dr. Boyce writes, we think this, the earth is the Lord's and everything and everyone in it. This means that if you are part of this world as you are, you owe God allegiance as your true and rightful king. You have a great responsibility, but from responsibility flows great eternal blessing. That's why as we pray and we encourage the young people as you begin a new school year, that's why it's so important to really give your life to the Lord. Because He wants to use your life and He's desiring to bless your life. And He'll give you riches of gifts and talents and opportunities that your life can be fruitful and joyful and fulfilling. But God's blessings will always require your cooperation with God. We cannot separate the blessings from the blesser. And we recognize we serve a good God. So if something is good, I don't have to look anywhere else but God for it. But if I do have something that's good, I've got to recognize it's not going to continue. It's not going to blossom. It's not going to multiply unless I work with God and give God glory and let God use and control my life. Let's note two things about this wonderful blessing. The earth is the Lord's. And He's entrusted so much to us to enjoy it and to employ it. Two quick thoughts about this blessing. Number one, God is the source. Of every good thing I have. God is the source. Tell your neighbor, God is my source. No matter what the stock market does, God is my source. Don't matter what the company does, God is my source. I thank Him for the tributaries. I thank Him for the avenues that He gives me the blessing. But ultimately, God is the source of my blessing. Can you say amen? Now, we get tempted sometimes to cut corners. We get tempted sometimes to lower our moral standards when we get desperate or we get nervous. But you never have to get nervous or desperate when it comes to provision. We serve Jehovah Jehovah. He'll meet all of our needs. He's a good God. He's got good in store for His people. When times get tough, don't have to do what the Joneses do. Just look to the Lord. I lift up mine eyes to the hills. From whence cometh my help? My help comes from the Lord. He'll heal me when I'm sick. He'll provide when I'm struggling. He'll guide me when I'm confused. He's a good God. He's a faithful God. And I don't have to look to the world or to cutting moral corners to be blessed. My blessing flows from heaven. Can you say amen? But let's look at this now. God is the source of every good thing I have. James 1, 16 and 17. James 1, 16 and 17. Don't be deceived, my dear brothers. That's how he prefaces his verse on blessing. Because it's easy to get deceived when you're being stressed. You know, maybe if I stop giving. Maybe if I, if I maybe lie a little bit here. Maybe if I do something that's not and James says, hang on, hang on. Anything that's good, God can get it to you. If it's worthy, God can get it to you. You don't have to look to the world and play their games and believe their lies. You're single, you need a good spouse, you want a good spouse, you look to God. He'll bless you if you let Him. I'm telling you, He'll bless you if you let Him. Oh yeah, you're in the business world and you're wondering, should, should, I, should I do something maybe not all ethical? Should I come into a contract with someone I know is not doing things? Listen, God will bless you. God will bless your business if you put Him first. Oh, He's a good God. Don't be deceived, my dear brothers. Why, James? Because every good and perfect gift 
is from above. Oh, isn't that beautiful? Coming down from the Father of heavenly lights who does not change. Isn't that good news this morning? Oh man, a lot of things change, but God, He does not change like the shifting shadows. Now just keep that up there, Jimmy. Now let's think about it. Number one, let me give you some thoughts here. God gives good gifts. So cling to Him. Cooperate with Him. Connect with the Lord. Walk in line with the principles of His Word. And trust in Him. He gives good gifts. If you want something that's good, you can get it from God. If you want something that's noble, that's pure, that's upright, that's righteous, look to the Lord. He's faithful. It's His good pleasure to give us the kingdom. Seek first the kingdom. All those things. God said, I'll add them to you. I'll bless you. I want to give you the desires of your heart. I'm a good father. What good father doesn't? Amen. But He says, you've got to look to Me. But secondly, not only does He give good gifts, but He gives them continually or constantly. It says, coming down. Literally in the Greek, it, the continual flow. It speaks, they keep coming down. It's beautiful. The well of God's goodness never runs dry. In man's economy, um, in man's affections, um, sometimes things change, sometimes things dry up, but God's riches are everlasting and they're ever flowing to His people. Can you say amen? The earth is the Lord's. And this Lord that we serve is a good God. And He has good gifts and He's blessed us and we're to use those things for His glory. We're to use them in ways that honor Him, but also in ways that we enjoy and give Him praise for it. And we recognize every good gift. God is my source. Amen. I don't need to look here. I don't need to look there. He might use ravens this time and a widow next time, but ultimately I know my source is in heaven and His name is Jesus. Can you say amen? And He gives good gifts and He gives them constantly. And that's a beautiful thing because life has its ups and life has its downs, but Jesus, He abideth forever. Can you say amen? Life has seasons that we just feel like everything I touch is blessed. And then there's other seasons, man, if it wasn't for bad, I wouldn't have no, you know what I'm saying about. And then sometimes, but the Lord, He changes not. And the Lord is consistent. And there's times when fear wants to seize us and, and the temptation to give in to anxiety wants to weigh us down. But even then, we have to remember, oh God, You are good. And your mercies endureth forever. And you're faithful and you're loving. Oh, blessed be His name. He gives good gifts. He gives them continually. And praise God, He doesn't change. Oh, what a wonderful thing. In a world where change is constant, where the things you used to have confidence in, they are no more. And people you thought you could trust, they wound up being not loyal. In a day and age where change is constant and continual, and it's not always for the best, I know that I know this day. I have a God that doesn't change like the shifting shadows. His goodness is the same. His mercy is the same. His promises are the same. Blessed be His name. It doesn't matter who's in the Oval Office. It doesn't matter what the doctor's report has announced. One thing you can know and take to the bank. The Lord you serve, He changes not. And He's good and He's faithful and His mercies abide forever. Somebody say Amen. The same God that watched them when you let them go to kindergarten. I still have it etched in my mind, my first one. He's the same one that's going to take them through college. But He's a good God and He doesn't change. Amen? <laughs> oh, yeah. That's His name. That's His name. Hmm. The earth is the Lord's. Every good and perfect gift, it comes from the Lord. 
And I thank Him for that. And I recognize everything else might change, but I can always depend on Jesus. The love and the care and the compassion, the faithfulness of His Word and His heart towards me. Jesus is the same. Jesus will never change. His love still reaches to the heavens and His faithfulness to the skies. So number one, God is the source. So I'm going to look to God and I'm going to trust in God. And regardless of the circumstances around me, I'm not going to allow them to steal my joy and to steal my faith because they're not my source and they are not in control, the living God. But secondly, not only is God is my source, God demands of me. God requires of me proper use and care of His blessings, of His opportunities, of His substance, of His ability. God requires that I manage faithfully every good thing I possess, starting with myself. Starting with myself. This is 1 Corinthians 4, 1 and 2. 1 Corinthians 4, 1 and 2. And here's Paul... He's writing, since then, men ought to regard us as servants. We're servants. We're managers. Amen. God owns it all, but He's blessed us with it. And He's a good God. He says, listen, you can enjoy it. You don't have to be grumpy. Enjoy it. I'll bless you. I'll give you more than you need. I'll bless you. God says, I'm not, I got no problems. I got, I'm, I'm real good. And, um, but we're servants and trusted with the secret things of God. But we're required. Now it is required. There is a requirement upon my life that those who have been given a trust, and we have been given many, many good blessings, but we are required to be proven faithful. This is a house manager where he doesn't own it, but he's been entrusted with it. And God requires that I manage faithfully every good thing, the time, the talent, the treasure, the ability, the opportunity, the substance. I manage everything for the Master, starting with me, my life, and those under me. I own nothing, but the important thing is that I remain faithful. The important thing is not that I compete with this one, or I somehow achieve that dream or that. The important thing is that God requires of me, be faithful with what I've given you. Be faithful with the life and the blessings and the opportunities. Sometimes things don't look like great opportunities. Be faithful. And God says, I'll show you different. Sometimes we go through things and we're wondering, oh Lord, where can the blessing be in this? But God says, if you'll make up your mind, I'm going to be faithful through this, Lord, even though I wouldn't have asked for it and I'm not crazy about it. But God, I know my steps are ordered of You. I'm not a Jonah. I'm not just doing my own thing. So Lord, somehow I know You've led me to this place. So let me be faithful here, Lord. God says, if you'll face it that way, if you'll have that response to life, that, that attitude towards things, God says, just watch how I'll bless your faithful efforts. I'll use you in places you didn't think I could use anybody. I'll give you increase when everyone else is going through lack. God says, if you will just give to me your consistent faithfulness of life, starting with yourself, God says, just watch how I use you. Watch how I bless you. Watch how I navigate your steps. Watch how I use even your most insignificant seeming efforts to do mighty things, to trigger mighty things. God is my source. 
And He requires of me that I be faithful in what He has entrusted and properly use it for His glory. Number one, we are stewards who get to enjoy and employ God's goodness and creation. But secondly, we are worshipers who experience God's grace and redemption. If you would look at verses 3 through 6, the psalm writer asks, Who may ascend the hill of the Lord? Who may stand in His holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart. Who does not lift up his soul to an idol or swear by what is false? He will receive blessing from the Lord and vindication from God his Savior. Such is the generation of those that seek Him, who seek your face. Oh, may we be a people that seek the face of God. But the second blessing, we're worshipers who experience the grace of God. Now, initially, we understand as we read this, who may ascend the hill of the Lord, who may stand in that holy place, we recognize initially only Jesus qualifies for this. But I want to praise God that He has made us qualified. He has made us acceptable and worthy to enter into that throne of grace, enter into the presence of the Most High God and enjoy communion and fellowship with the living God. It's it's a Bible basic. We're all familiar that our good works, our religious efforts, were never good enough to save us or qualify us for such a relationship. The only way you and I can enter into such a place is through the merits of Jesus Christ. Through um, His death on that cross. We thank God this morning that Jesus came to represent us and Jesus offered Himself as a substitute for us. In my own good works, I could never approach that place of intimate fellowship and communion and reconciliation with the true and living God. But oh, precious Jesus, He came and He died. He came and shed His blood that whosoever will can call on His name. Whosoever will can know their sins are forgiven. And now they do have access. They become sons of God. They're reconciled and restored back to that place of fellowship. So so I know that initially when the psalmist is writing this, the answer is nobody ultimately. The answer is no one except Jesus. But because of what Christ has done, you and I that have put our faith in Him, we receive His righteousness. He takes our sin and the judgment thereof and we get to receive His righteousness that qualifies us to draw near and sit at the feet of the Almighty God. But now that we've come to Jesus, now that we put our faith in that sacrifice, we can presently enjoy and experience communion with God. Closeness, fellowship, sonship with the living God. Now presently, as a son, if I really want to enjoy blessed closeness, Communion with my Lord. These verses, they give me some insight in keeping relationship, my relationship with the Lord healthy and growing and satisfied. Pleasing to God. Blessing to me. It's important that we take advantage of the privilege that we have to come boldly before the throne of grace. To sit at the feet of this great and mighty God and pour out our hearts and receive from the wells of His goodness and worship Him in spirit and in truth and allow Him to refresh us and revive us. 
It's so important. And again, young people or whoever you are, it's so important to have more than a mental Christianity, just merely a knowing a lot of facts about God, but not really enjoying a living relationship with God. It's not just about knowing what happened and understanding all this. It's about entering in, abiding in that vine, enjoying the privilege that only the redeemed can enjoy, enjoying the privilege that only those that have received Jesus can enjoy. But not everyone that's received Jesus take advantage of the blessings of drawing near and growing in their walk with God and enjoying the things that you can only get in the presence of God. There's some things you can't get anywhere else but at the feet. Hallelujah. You know, sheep, and I can talk about sheep, I'm a sheep. Sheep can drift. Sheep can stray. Sheep can lose their bearings. You know, relationships can become strained. You know, relationships can become wounded through neglect, through hurt. So you can be a son but have a strain in your relationship. You can be a son. Now, I'm not going to argue where that gets left off and what never was, but you can be a son. You know, I know some parents that have children. Always going to be the children. Have that blood. They haven't talked to them in months. There's a strain in the relationship. There's been a neglect. There's been a wound. Things have happened. And now... So, in the same way as we walk with God, I need to take advantage and enjoy the presence of God. I need to practice the privilege I have to come and sit at the feet of God. To feed on His Word. Come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our God, our Maker, for He is our God. We are the sheep of His pasture. But you know, I can have that privilege I can have the opportunity, I can have the right through the blood of Jesus to come boldly before the throne of grace and talk to the Lord and receive from God. But if I don't take advantage of it, through neglect, I can begin to stray. Through neglect, my heart, instead of being sensitive to God, can grow callous to God. We see here some insights of how I can maintain a healthy relationship. It's so important. That through our times of worship, both personal and corporate worship, these are times that help me keep my perspective and keep my heart strong and keep my relationship vibrant and alive with God. I read a story about True North. It was called True North. And it was back when cars really started getting a lot of the new technology. And a lady bought a car and it started to rain and she thought she was turning on the um, windshield wipers. And obviously it was the wrong switch, but it was on the dashboard. It says, please drive your car in a 360 circle. Point it north. And she said, what in the world? But anyway, she just drove home. But when she got home, she got out the manual. And then what she found out, that when she hit the, thought it was windshield wipers, she inadvertently turned off the internal compass. And the car had lost its sense of direction. You know, Christians lose their sense of direction. The eternal compass sometimes gets dull when we neglect our time with the Lord. When we neglect spending good time in the Word of God and in our prayer. 
when we neglect honoring God's house as we ought to. You know, every time you come to church, hopefully there's a spiritual awakening in your heart. There's an encouragement in your heart. Your your mind gets renewed. Your focus, right? True north. All these things in the world that are trying to deceive or distract or weigh you down. And you come into the temple of the Lord and we get our perspective where it ought to be on the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords and everything else in life seems to get back where it needs to be as I see Jesus where He is and I hear His voice and I honor Him. It seems like all these things that were trying to distract me and knock me off course. Everything gets back into divine alignment when I put God first and I honor His house and I spend time in His Word. Every time we gather, the writer says, <laughs> she had to drive that car around so the compass could be reset. And we do that sometimes. We come to church, we kind of get reset, don't we? We get ready for another week. We get ready, we get fed, we get encouraged. The Word of the Lord. Every time we gather for worship, we reset our internal compass. We establish true north in our soul. Remembering again who God is and how God's in control. How the earth is the Lord's and we are God's people. And His Word is true to us. Focus is restored. Faith is fed. Our thinking is illuminated and brought back on track with the Word of God. Our hearts are touched and strengthened by His grace. We're reminded of eternity and what really matters and what really values spiritually. Our affections are awakened from the world that would try to steal our joy and steal our hearts. Oh, folks. And here, the psalmist is saying, let me give you some tips on how to keep your walk with God healthy. Because we're beyond being saved now. Everybody here saved? Say amen. Amen. Well, if you're not, in about 10, 15 minutes, you can come down and Pastor Todd is going to lead you to the Lord. Amen? Amen. Okay, we're, we're all saved, okay? And we all understand, just because I'm saved, I am still required to maintain my relationship with God. I'm saved. My boys are my boys. Always going to be my boys. They choose to get a bug. And when they move away, they don't want to write back. They don't want to come back. There will be a strain. They choose to live in such a way that I, I cannot. They're going to be a str- always my son. But there's a strain. Even when you see them, they're, they're, it's not joyful. It's not, there's a strain. So I recognize as a son of God, I have to maintain my relationship to keep it healthy and tender and to keep me from drifting. You know, again, you don't drift. You don't wake up and say, I'm going to drift today. You don't wake up and make a plan. This is how you stray from the Lord. It's gradual. It's small. It's stealth-like. Little here and a little there. And before you know it, you wake up and say, man, it's been two months, haven't been to God's house. Certain things that I had victory over are starting to get the best of me now. Okay? So, we're all saved. But we have to still make the effort to maintain a healthy, strong walk with God. Amen? And so here, this is what He's going to give us now. That's beautiful. We are worshipers. In verse 4, we see, he says, clean hands. Clean hands. That speaks of my conduct. Listen, if I'm going to keep my walk with God close, I've got to live right. Can you say amen? If not, I grieve the Spirit. I can grieve the Holy Spirit. And then you can't grieve the Holy Spirit and expect things to be good. That makes sense, right? You just can't disobey your earthly father continually and expect everything to be hunky-dory. It doesn't mean you're not his kid, but try, let's be honest. So number one, clean hands speaks of righteous conduct. 
Holy in our deeds. Holy in the outward actions and how I live my life. But also not only clean hands, but a pure heart. Because God looks at our hearts, doesn't He? This speaks of godly character and motives. The inward parts. You desire purity in the inward parts. There's the holiness of having attitudes and motives. Blessed are the pure in heart. The pure in heart, Jesus said. They're the ones that will see God. And He's not talking about seeing God someday in glory. Seeing God as we live in this earth. Seeing God's hand in my life. Seeing God's truth in a fallen world. But when my heart is no longer pure, my vision gets blurred. You get spiritual cataracts, folks. You get big. All of a sudden, you're blurred. You're trying to see. I'm straining to see. Why can't I figure it out? Why is it confusing? It never used to be confusing. But when I get my heart getting over to things I shouldn't get it over to, when my heart is no longer strong, hiding that word in my heart, when I get away from that, it affects how I see. It affects how I reason. It affects my perspective. So I'm just saying, listen, listen, listen. If you want to enjoy sweet communion with the Lord, if you want the blessings that he speaks about in verse 5, in the vindication, man, God can give some vindication. Amen? Woo. If you want that, our number one, number one, is got to have clean hands. got to have a pure heart. And you can't, and you can't, you can't, you can't serve two masters. Because that next verse says, you can't swear falsely, so there can't be anything hypocritical. You can't do one thing on Sunday, another thing on Monday. Isn't that right? Let's get back there. Hallelujah. Oh, look at what he says here. He says to us, listen, clean hands, pure heart. Doesn't lift up his soul to an idol. That, that means you have no, um, there's no competition in your heart. Jesus is your all in all. There's a loyalty to the Lord. You can't serve two masters. There's no double life. We love the Lord our God with all our heart and all our might and all our strength. Now, when we do these things, these are things that as I seek the Lord and seek the Lord to have an audience with our King, as I seek the Lord, doing my best to have clean hands and a pure heart, not letting any idols get in here, not being a hypocrite. God says, if you'll do that, if you'll make that your practice, if you'll create a good, godly, spiritual discipline, God says, that will help you create a relationship that's not strained or wounded or grieved, but a relationship that's maturing and growing and sensitive. That will bring you to the place where God says, hey, those that fear me, I confide in. And those that practice this, God says, I'll give you my secrets. You'll have a better wisdom for life. You'll have a better discernment for life. God says, you'll be able to live under a greater measure of my divine favor. In fact, Tyndale says, verse 5, the man will have the smile of God upon him. How many want the smile of God? Amen. I want the smile of God. In a world that will try to curse you, in a world that will try to strip you up and make you fall, God says, says, listen, if you learn to walk with me, if you'll practice the privilege you have of drawing near to me, of seeking my face, of coming boldly, consistently to the throne that is called grace, if you'll hide that Word in your heart and let me teach you and let me fill you and come near to me, God says, I can allow a greater measure of my favor and grace upon your life. Tender blessings and vindication. Verse 5, blessings. And vindication. And we don't have time to talk about all of it, but listen to a few. Here's some of the blessings. God says, if you'll maintain your 
pure walk with God. I'm not talking about getting saved now. I'm saying now that you're saved, if you'll keep a healthy relationship, I recognize God's door is always open. I recognize His heart always wants to commune with His people. But I have to cooperate and do my part to seek Him and speak to Him. So, blessings and vindication. For example, favor, direction, revelation, approval, protection, privilege, closeness, access, authority. How many remember the prodigal son story? Anybody remember that from Sunday school? The prodigal son. He was a son, wasn't he? Wasn't he a son even when he was in the pig slop? But you know what he didn't have in the pig slop? Didn't have the ring, did he? Didn't have the robe, did he? He couldn't. He, he, he wasted the inheritance. There was no more left. A son, but he didn't have a ring of authority. But when he returned, and when he walked with God, guess what? You get back in the authority. You get back to the approval. Here comes the robe, the approval. Now the party, the favor is starting. Uh, wasn't he a son before? He was a son, but he was out of fellowship with the, his father. His relationship was strained because of his actions and neglect. But once he did his part to get back to where he belonged, then not only was he a son, but he was a son that got to enjoy the authority and the approval and the favor of his father. Amen. Seek God when we seek God. All right, let me close this down. The earth is the Lord's. We are stewards. We are worshipers. And lastly, we're victors. We are victors who celebrate His glory in His conquest. And that's how the psalmist ends this. Lift up your heads. Be lifted up that the King of glory may come in. We worship and cry out and celebrate. We celebrate His triumph on Calvary. We celebrate the triumph when that became real to me. We celebrate by faith the fact that He is coming again. And we wait and long for His appearing. Jesus will return. And we will be ready to welcome Him and praise Him and join Him. These final verses speak to us of our King of glory. When Jesus rode into Jerusalem the first time, humility and tears, but when He comes again, praise the Lord. When He comes again, it will be with great power and great glory. We will praise Him then, but we can praise Him now. And we need to praise Him now. While we wait for that day, while we fight the good fight of faith, while we all go through our various trials and tests in this life, while we do our best to be good sons and daughters, we give Him praise and we give Him glory. Hudson Taylor, that famous missionary, he wrote that it doesn't matter. This is why we wait. We wait. We wait for that coming. While we wait, it doesn't matter how great the pressure is. What really matters is where the pressure lies. Whether it comes between me and God or whether it presses me nearer to His heart. While we wait until He comes, let's keep looking to Jesus. Let's keep leaning on those everlasting arms. And let's keep trusting in His Word and trusting in His goodness to our lives. And if somewhere along the line you fall and stumble, simply look up. Get up. The child of God, don't you ever, ever give up because your King is coming. Can you say amen? Amen. Amen. We simply close. The earth is the Lord's. And we are His people. And this gives you and I many, many wonderful privileges as well as responsibilities. Let us not neglect 
our privileges. And let us be found faithful in carrying out our responsibilities until He comes. Until He comes. We're going to sing our final song and pray our final prayer. And then we're going to open these altars. And if um, you want to come and pray, please come and just seek the Lord. If you need prayer, if you would like prayer, then please come and someone will pray with you. We're stewards, we're worshipers, and we're victors. Now, if you're here today and for any reason you have not received Jesus as your King and as your Lord, we invite you to come as others come to the altar and as we worship the Lord and um, as the musicians play, we invite you to come and give your heart afresh to the Lord. Make sure He's your King. Make sure, don't make it hard for God to bless you. But do your part to live right and to seek Him first and to make Him your King and walk in His way so He can bless you in the way that He wants to. His friend, He wants to bless your life. And He wants to use your life. But you've got to do your part to cooperate with God. Commit yourself to God. So in just a bit as we pray, if things aren't right, I encourage you to come and make them right. But if you're here today and you just want to make a fresh altar, And say, Lord, I I don't want to take for granted the blessings You've given me. And I want to make sure I've got things in order. Or Lord, maybe I I need to recognize that that I've been allowing um, opportunities to slip away. And I forgot that I'm to be a steward of this life. And I'm not doing as I should. Make it right. Make it right. Stand with me, please, as we close in our prayer. Oh God, we love You. Oh God, we love You. Father, I want to thank You for the privilege that You have given to us. It is a wonderful, wonderful thing to be a child of God. It is a glorious thing to know the living God personally. To know that our sins have been forgiven. To know that our names are written down in the Lamb's Book of Life. To know that the blood of Jesus has been applied to our lives and our sins and our lawless deeds You remember no more. We thank You, Lord, for the privilege of sonship that we can draw near and we can commune with You. We can be filled with Your Spirit. We can talk with You and cast our cares upon You. Help us, O God, to be found faithful. For every good gift, may we acknowledge and honor You for it. Father, I want to thank You for the throne of grace. I thank You, Lord, there is a place that we can go that regardless of what happens to us in this life, You haven't left us alone. We can come and talk with You. We can come and cast that care on You. And know that You love us. And know that You have a good word for us. Father, we thank You for the throne of grace. We thank You for the privilege of sweet communion with the living God. We thank You, Lord. Lord, help us just to um, stir up. Stir up our hearts. To respond to Your word. To be joyful and consistent in drawing near to You daily and honoring Your day. And Lord, I want to thank You for the victory of salvation. Oh, Jesus, I thank You as the King of kings. You're our King. And until You come again, help us to be a people who are worshipers, who are workers, who are waiting faithfully and obediently until You come again. Now, dear God, as we open the altar, anyone's here today and they need a touch in their body, Father, let that healing virtue flow. Father, for your glory, let that strong stream of healing power flow. Someone's here today and they're just feeling exhausted and they need some refreshing. Lord, as they look to you, fill their cup afresh. 
in part a new strength, in part a good measure of comfort, encouragement, inspiration, we pray. Father, I pray that your showers would fall and you would richly bless those that look to you and call on your name. In Christ's name we pray and everyone said, these altars are open. Sing it one time through. Let's give them glory and let's seek the Lord.